All right, let's get going. Parshas Mishpatim. Um, so much to learn. What a what a you know a loaded loaded parsha. And I think we probably won't get too far past the first couple of halachos mitzvos ideas. But uh, hopefully, it'll give us an overall picture of what we are doing here. So the parsha begins. In, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely, and, and thank you for that beautiful idea. So our learning should be an aliyah for the already elevated neshamas of all those lost during the Holocaust. Um, okay, thank you for uh, filling us in, Linda. All right, so Parsh Mishpatah begins on, uh, did anybody else have something today, this week, a yard site that they'd like to dedicate the learning to? If you do, please uh, please let me know, or a Fuah Shalema, anything. Okay. Chapter 21, verse 1, Perachaf Aleph, Pasach Aleph. And, very important letter to start our Parsha. And, these are the financial laws that you shall place in front of them. What in the world's going on over here? So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is speaking to Moshe. And he's saying to Moshe, and... What do you mean, and? What are you talking about? When, the, when you use the word and, that means you already talked about something previously. This and that. So if our Parsha is beginning with the letter Vav, it's letting me know to connect our Parsha's Mishpatim to the last Parsha of Yisro. This is a continuation of that conversation. Okay? And this is going to bring out a very important idea as we're going to see soon in Rashi. And also, these are the laws that you should place in front of them. What do you mean place? What does it mean place, that, that, that you put it down, okay? So I want to, let, let's begin with Rashi's explanation, and then we are going to <clears throat> make Rashi's explanation practical for our daily lives. And that's as follows. Last Parsha, we spoke about the Ten Commandments. We stood at Harsinai, the whole nation together, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the Ten Commandments. Says Rashi, and these are the laws, is letting me know that all financial matters, when it comes to business, and when it comes to anything else, this was also discussed at Harsinai. Finances, money, uh, business, everything that we get involved in is spirituality. There's a way that a person is supposed to deal with it. There's a, a story brought down. In the city of Salant, Rabbi Sol, in this, where, when Rabbi Sol Salanter was the rub, so the local shochet, the slaughterer, I shared this in shul yesterday with him in Chamarv, it's a very powerful idea. The local slaughterer decided he has to retire after a few years from being the shochet, and he comes to the rub, he comes to Rabbi Sol Salanter, and he says, Rabbi, I'm stepping down. So Rabbi Sol Salanter asks him why. So he says, too much pressure. The kosher, the kashrus of the whole community is dependent on me, and uh, people might eat not kosher because of me. So Bissol Santa says, okay, you can't handle the anxiety. Okay, very nice. Well, what are you going to do for a living instead? She so says, I'll run a grocery, I'll mind my own business. I'll, you know, my life will be simple. I won't be so, you know, the, not have the whole community rely on me. And Bissol Santa tells him, listen here, when it comes to slaughtering an animal, you have one concern, and that is, to do your job right. Do a proper slaughtering. But let me tell you something. You want to run a simple grocery? 
Do you realize, did you ever learn Parshas Mishpatim? Do you know that it says, Lo signovu, you shall not steal. Lo sigzo, lo sachmod, you shall not covet. Lo sonu wishes amiso, you're not allowed to harass another person. You have to treat, you have to treat your employees with respect, your employer, your colleagues, make sure that the environment where you are is a godly environment, that you don't speak Lashon Hara everywhere you go. Midvar Shaker Tirchak, stay far away from falsehood. You're not scared to be a businessman? You're scared to be a shochit, but you're not scared to be a businessman? He says, let me tell you something. If you're nervous about transgressions, stay a shochit. Because there's many other things. Now, why is this why is this incident so important? Because we have a, we, you know, there's a rule when it comes to learning Torah. In Hebrew, it's called mechlal lav. When you listen, when, when you hear what you shouldn't do, you can understand what you shall do. When the Torah says stay away from this, that means I have an opportunity to do this. For example, refrain from Lashon Hara. Every time we refrain from Lashon Hara, we get immeasurable reward. It's not just, I didn't gossip. Now that I controlled my mouth, you know what happened? I'm receiving reward for controlling it. So you see from this story with Rabbi Saul Salanter and from learning through Parshas Mishpatim, every time a person goes about their day and earns an honest living and treats people properly, you wake up, you give somebody a smile, you do your best, put in your best effort, and we don't transgress uh, falsehood. We don't transgress hurting somebody's feelings. We're it. That's a full day. That's a day of spirituality. At Harsinai, what does the Vav teach? Listen to what this little Vav in the beginning of our parsha is teaching me. All the laws of how we interact within this world were also given at Sinai. When we interact with people, with anything, in a godly way, this is the same as the Ten Commandments. This is the, um, this is the Aseris Adibris. So Rashi says, and these is letting us know, don't think Mishpatim is any less of a Parsha than last Parsha. Last Parsha, oh, Ten Commandments, big week. Says this week's Parsha, this is a big week too. Because this also, all of these rules of how we deal with planet Earth were also given at Harsinai. And then Rashi points out something else fascinating. Hashem tells Moshe, these are the rules, Asher Tosim Lefnam, that you should place in front of them. What does it mean to place? It's an interesting word because in, I would say in usual grammar, we would say, this is what you should tell them. This is what you should give over to them. This is what you should speak. It says, this is what you shall place. Why does it say place? Says Rashi, something so important when it comes to relationships. Rashi says, and I'll preface Rashi's words. The code of Jewish law is called the Shulchan Aruch. Do you know what the Shulchan Aruch is literally translated as? A set table. Shulchan is a table. Aruch means it's long, it's prepared. Rabbi Yosef Karo, who wrote the Shulchan Aruch, named his Sefer, the code of Jewish law, prepared table, because of this word in the first Pasuk of our Parsha, Asher Tosin, that you should place. What's the connection between placing and a table? So this is where we get into Rashi. Rashi says as follows, Hashem is instructing Moshe Rabbeinu, don't think that the way to communicate with the Jewish people in teaching them the Torah is merely by telling them the laws. 
because Judaism is not a religion of rituals. Rather, you must place it in front of them like a plated dinner plate. You sit down at the table and they bring you a piece of chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, whatever's on there, and you say, here, this is ready for you. Hashem says, when it comes to words of Torah, you must place it in front of the person. Don't shove it at them. Don't tell them, go get it yourself. You place it beautifully in front of them like a plated dinner plate. Not only the what's, but the why's. Here's, Rashi's, here's the words Rashi says, I'll read to you in Hebrew. Moshe might think, the any matriach atzmi, it's not worth it to put in the effort. To give over all the meaning and the beauty of it. Let people go figure that out on their own. My job is to be the halachic decisor. I'll tell you what to do. But to give over the, the nuances and the emotion of it and the beauty of it, that's not my responsibility. Therefore, says Rashi, no, Hashem tells Moshe, don't make that mistake. Asher tosim lifnehem. When it comes to words of Torah and communicating anything that needs to be communicated, if you want it to be accepted, you must place it in a very robust fashion, in a beautiful way, in a way that it's understood, in a way that, that there is full-fledged meaning. And a Yiddishkeit cannot just be rigid. We say this actually every time we put away the Torah. And anybody who's been learning Torah with me, with us, I've quoted, we quote this all the time in Pirkei Avis, one of the most beautiful uh, messages that my parents used to share with me and one of, the most, my, one of my favorite psukim is we say, Right? In short, we sing this. What does that mean? Right? The ways of the Torah are pleasant and all of its utterances are peace. And my father, Zechariah Levracha, whenever he would speak to me, he would say, Nu, how's it going? I was in yeshiva, how's it going? I'd say, yeah, not so great. So he would say, listen, the ways of the Torah are pleasant, which means a Torah lifestyle is a pleasant lifestyle. If there's something wrong, he would tell me as his son, it's your problem. It's not the Torah's problem. Figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> what, what can you change? Right? What, what, you know, what could change? To, because we know when we live a, a lifestyle guided by the words of God, by the words of Hashem, that's pleasant. That type of lifestyle, you, you see, when we see Gedolim, really great Torah leaders, they are chilled as a cucumber. They're not intense. They're not like, blah, blah, blah. They're the most relaxed people. You know why? Because they know what they're doing. They're, they're living with Hashem. They have their Amuna, They have their Bitochen. They have their Torah. They have their guidance. And that's it. It's pleasant. It's not confusing. Right? Things become difficult when it's confusing. Really, the, the purpose of Torah is to make our lives sweet. Not, not that it should be otherwise. And that is the message of this word in the first Pasuk. Asher Tosim. That you place it. Again, what does it mean? You place it with beauty, with explanation, and, and uh, th- this is really you know, a message to us, whether or not we're teaching Torah, if, we won't, if, we, if, if we're trying to guide our families, right? 
It's got to be done in a way of, of um, placement. Okay. Reb, Rabbi Yisachar Friend has a, um, a beautiful um, Dvar Torah that he writes on this, on this Pasuk. I just want to introduce his Dvar Torah with a story that I read in one of Pesach Kron's books. All right? So uh, Pesach Kron has a book called Reflections of the Magid. I got the story on page 155. See, he says there's a, there's a Jew in Montreal. <clears throat> um, his name is Tommy Seisler. And in September 2000, he was sitting Shiva. And while he's sitting Shiva, um, a guy walks in and he sits down. Seems to be very emotional about the Shiva. He doesn't really know him. He sits down and Tommy says, Shalom Aleichem, who are you? And he says, I, he says, I am your student. You know, I, I'm your student. He tells the Tommy sitting Shiva, and you should know you're, 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 you're my champion. You're my hero. So he says, okay, what's going on? Like, <laughs> what's your story? See, he says, you should know I'm retired. And I don't, I don't need to get up early in, in the morning anymore to go to work. I don't need to wake up at 5.30. But a number of years ago, I, was, I woke up early. And I saw how you came to your father's house to pick him up. I don't know where you're going. Maybe you're going to shul. I don't know. But... You'd go into the house, you'd come outside, and you would hold your father's hand gently down the front steps. You'd walk him to the, to, the, to the car. And I couldn't get over how you treat your father with such dignity. And I started to wake up earlier every morning just to peek out my window and watch you walk with your father. It was something I had never seen. And for some reason, I was just drawn to this. And every day... You don't know that I was watching you, but I would just wake up to see this. I would just wake up to see, see this, uh, this relationship. And then he looks at him and he says, he says, now that your father's gone, I guess I lost my daily inspiration, right? And, uh, you know, they had a little bit of a conversation and he gets up to walk out. That's the story. What does Zev do? So listen to how Rabbi Friend explains the word of Ve'ilah Mishpatim. We explained that v- the Vav, the word and, connects connect last week's Parsha to this week's Parsha, right? The same way the Ten Commandments, the Aseras Adibros, were given at Harsinai, so too all of the interpersonal laws, monetary laws, everything, right? That was all given, uh, given at Harsinai. Okay, so here's the deal. What this means is, Later on in our Parsha, when we learn about the laws of an ox scoring another ox, or of somebody making a pothole in a public domain, or somebody hurting somebody's feelings, stealing, the obligation to pay workers all on time, this is all the same as the Ten Commandments. So Rashi is saying something significant. Says Rabbi Friend, what is the significance? Listen closely. He quotes Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, who says that if a person does not keep monetary laws and the laws of interpersonal relationships, that is the same as me saying, I don't believe in the Ten Commandments. What's the first of the Ten Commandments? Believe in me. I am Hashem your Lord. I am Hashem your God. Anaychi Hashem. Okay. I am Hashem your God. I could sit here the entire day and give lectures and say, I believe in Hashem. It's theory. There's no action. I could, I could talk all I want. I could even say Baruch Hashem the whole day. That's speech. But the other side of the coin, which is the practice 
the practicality of it is, are you honest in business? Do you cheat? In, well, if you do that, you don't believe I am Hashem your God. No, you don't. Because if I was Hashem your God, you wouldn't feel the need to do this. You wouldn't feel the need to hurt people's feelings. You wouldn't feel the need to cheat. And that's the message. Says Ramayusha Feinstein, Rabbi Fran quotes Ramayusha Feinstein. He says, isn't this, it's amazing. He says, this is all, everything we've spoken about so far is this little vav, the first letter of our Parsha, and is letting me know everything we're reading in this week's Parsha is equally as important as the Sarah Sadibris, and it's letting me know that if I don't keep these things, I don't believe in the Ten Commandments either. It's really all one picture. It's really all. It's really all. Uh, it's really all one thing. Okay. So that's the uh, that's the uh, the first idea. Next. Let's keep going. What is the halacha of monetary obligations and interpersonal relationships? Look at the very next verse. Kisikne eved ivri. If you purchase a Jewish servant, how'd somebody become a Jewish servant? Either they didn't have enough money to feed themselves, so they sold themselves as a full-time live-in servant. Now, the maximum time you were allowed to do that is six years because a Jew needs to know, I serve Hashem, nobody else. The maximum you're allowed to sell yourself is six years. Another way you could become a Jewish servant is if you steal and you're not capable of paying back. The halacha is, Bezdin Paskins, you need to work for the one who you stole from for as long as it takes to pay back the value that I stole at a maximum of six years. If I stole $100, so I got to work for a few hours. If I stole $100,000, I may need to work for two years. If I stole more, but it's a maximum of six years, okay? So, yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, go ahead. And I'm thinking maybe it's because that's such a hard way, that's such a nisayon for us, you know. Right. It's a, it's a daily it's a daily struggle to keep our our head on straight. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just wondering. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a much broader conversation. Um, it's a much broader conversation, which has to do that in some societies. Um, and it applies in the Jewish world as well. People frown upon money. That's not the Torah hashkafa. According to the Torah, there's no shame in turning a profit. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with making a good business deal. It's nobody else's business. Um, and uh, to, to decide what, you know, oh, what do all they have is money. Money is in and of itself is not an ends, but non- money is a beautiful vehicle that if Hashem, if a person has it, it's a vehicle to use in spirituality. And we find this throughout Torah. Uh, we, people can grow in their ruchnias with it. There are so many things to uh, to do um, when a person has the, the financial ability. Um, there are many more mitzvos that could be accomplished. I'm not even dealing with tzedakah. 
Because that tzedakah really is a whole different discussion. People say, oh, I want to be rich, so I can give tzedakah. You don't need to be rich to give tzedakah. Hashem could have somebody else give that tzedakah. And you receive the same reward. Because for somebody to give a $50 check that hurts, can, you could still receive more reward than somebody who gives a $1,000 check and it doesn't hurt. Right? It's not a struggle. So it's not about, how, I want this so I can get more mitzvahs. You're not going to get more mitzvahs for giving tzedakah when you have more. Just because you, you give a bigger check. You get, what do we get tzachar for? The lefum tzara agra, according to the effort, is the reward. That's a whole separate conversation. But in the Torah hashkafa, we'll call it, in the Torah worldview of finances, this is spirituality. Finances is spirituality. It's a valid point that, um, that you're bringing up. Okay, so the, but he, he, here's, I, I just want to mention something because I find this fascinating. I find this to be too big of a jump for my liking. Because look what happens. It says, this is the laws of finances. And what does it give me? A case of a terrible person who's a thief and he gets sold. That's what we're starting with? That's, that's how you start the conversation? If it, listen, you know, I didn't write the Torah and it's, obviously I would have been wrong. But if you go with finances... Right? If you want to tell me about it, you should be like, no, okay, so here's step number one. When you go to work, make sure to show up on time, give 60 minutes to the hour, be honest, be kind. Immediately it goes to somebody who doesn't do any of this. Right? It's somebody who took advantage of everybody else. And I once heard from an other. Yeah, go ahead. Far. So, so Linda's point, pointing out that the reason why we, we want to say this right away is because it's letting us know if you don't use it properly, it could really take you off the cliff. Am I understanding you correctly? Right. Okay. Okay. Nice. It's a, it's a, it's a temptation. It's a, yeah. It's a temptation. It's a, you know, and it's with us. I mean, everybody, right. Very valid. Very, it's, it's, certainly, uh, it's certainly a true concept. I want to share something I heard from an Adam Gadol, from a, a, a big person, and I find this to be beautiful. You, he says, you know why we start with this? To let us know that when it comes to anything in Torah, no matter where you are in life, we could have made the most terrible, pathetic, immature situations, decisions. We could have made... There's nobody at any point in their life that is not, what's, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, articulate the proper word, that is not helped or cannot be guided by the laws of Torah. You could be the biggest thief. You could be a murderer. Listen to this. You know, in Shul, we pick up the Torah and people point to the Torah and they say, the Zos HaTorah Asher Sa Moshe. This is the Torah that Moshe gave. Do you know where that Pasuk's written in the Torah? Right after the laws of a murderer who has to run away to a city of refuge. After it says, says the Zos HaTorah, this is the Torah. This is the Torah talking about the laws of a murderer? Yeah, because you know what it's letting us know? This guy's a murderer he just killed. Even for such a person, there's Torah guiding his life. 
No matter what decisions a person has ever made, a person can never say, okay, I'm so far away from Hashem that eh, this just doesn't apply to me anymore. Not true. The laws of finances apply to the biggest thief as much as it applies to the most honest Jew. A big, I stole, I did that, I can't pay back. You know what I'm thinking to myself? Ugh, seriously? Like, does it even matter how I treat people? Do you know I just stole a million dollars? And the Torah is letting us know from the get-go? Yeah, it, it does matter. We'll find a way for you to pay it back. But you're still a, you're still a Jew. And you can still be guided by Torah. You can still have that pleasant lifestyle with guidance and and hadracha, a path to go on. No matter where we are in our decision making, there's always a path to go on to do what's right from where I am right now. I shouldn't have gotten here. But wherever I am right now, there's a path for me in Torah. There's no such thing as somebody who's gone to a path that the Torah can't help. And that's why we start immediately with this situation to let us know that it applies uh, across the board to everybody. Okay, so six years max, and in the seventh year, he goes free. I want to end off, we're, we're almost at the end over here, so I wanted to share a, a uh, fascinating uh, limo, a fascinating message. Pasuk Gimel says, if the man went in alone, begapo yetze, he goes out alone, meaning if he was single, so he leaves single. <clears throat> in Baal Ishahu, but if he was a husband, Vyatsa Ishto Imo, his wife leaves the servitude with him. Now, what does this mean? She didn't steal. What does it mean she leaves the servitude? She was a servant too? Says Rashi, no. But the Torah is telling us, and this is the halacha, the Torah is telling us that you can have somebody who steals, can't pay back, they have to work as a servant for the master. Guess what? If the master is going to take that person as a servant, the master is also obligated to take in the rest of the family and make sure they have food on the table as well. You cannot pull a breadwinner away from a family and say, you know what? The wife and kids are going to be left out in the cold. Which, by the way, if this bothers us, this is what we call derech eretz after Torah. There's a derech eretz that comes before Torah. And then there's a derech eretz that's taught by the Torah. And the Torah is letting us know when you can have a father, a husband, a person, a family member that makes a terrible mistake and they need, a, they, 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 they need to fix it up. There's no question. But you can't just focus microscopically on what they did. You need to say, hey, if this person's not gonna be a servant, what's gonna be with the family? What's with them? So in our, in our civil society, they'll go on food stamps or whatever. They'll figure it out on their own. In the Torah society, the master has to ensure that they're also taken care of. And this is a derech eretz that, need, that needs to seep in. And I'll give you a practical uh, case where this actually happened with our family. Um, without, uh, I'm going to be a little bit vague, but hopefully clear enough to, uh, to give a clear situation. My father, Zechariah Levracha, um, was involved in the following situation. A number of, of years ago, it must have been 15, 20 years ago, there was a big Chil uh, There was a big FBI bust on people who presented them, themselves as Torah Jews 
Okay, and the reason why I'm presenting it like that is because Rav Shimon Schwab uh, said at a, a good convention, he says they write in the papers, there's an Orthodox Jew who stole, cheated on taxes, uh, nah, 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 and he says, let me tell you something, if they did these things, they're not an Orthodox Jew. Wearing a yarmulke ain't going to help you. What does it mean? You're a Torah, a Torah person, doesn't do this. So if you did it and you're busted, that was just shown you weren't a Torah Jew in the first place. That's what it shows. So he says, I don't know why the papers are calling them orthodox. They're not. Right? They're, they're cheats. Okay. So you can have people who present themselves as Torah Jews. And unfortunately, this happened about 20 years ago. And there was a big FBI raid somewhere in New Jersey, New York. And a, a lot of... A lot of um, I think it was eight or nine people were arrested. Um, and a lot of them spent time in jail for uh, d- different types of frauds. I don't know the details. One of them became a uh, witness, a government witness, and he's, he snitched out everybody else in order to save his own, his own hide. Um, and it, it got him like one year and everybody else got maybe a 15 to 25 or something. So um, obviously the whole community was upset at all of them for what they did. But particularly to this guy, he's a Moser. He's turning on everybody else. He's a wimp, right? He's, turning, he's a coward. He's turning on everybody else to save his own skin. So his family, the, the, there was actually a Besden in New York that paskined on him that he's put in Kherim. That he should be excommunicated for turning against that. And his family moved, and they, they moved to a town right outside of Baltimore, not far from where we lived, not far from where we lived. Um, and my father heard about it. They, they tried registering their kids in the local day school, and the local day school said, nothing doing, nothing doing. We can't have anything to do with this family, okay? So my father, Zechariah Lebrocha, threw a whole stink, based upon this Pasuk. And he said, the father slash husband is to be held accountable, but nobody has a right to hold the wife and children accountable as well. And he actually called some of my siblings who live in Baltimore and his grandchildren who are just a couple years younger than me. And he had my family daily go over to their house with instructions to not talk to him at all, but to teach one of my, my nieces and my sisters all teach in the Beis Yaakov, eh? to, to teach the children one-on-one until the schools finally allow them to come in. And uh, a month or two later, uh, the schools accepted them and Baruch Hashem, the wife and children uh, became fully integrated into the community. And I'm not, sure that, I'm not sure what ended up happening with the husband, but I was, at the time that this was happening, I was, I was talking to my father about it. And I said, Ta, like, you know, the family's kicked out of New Jersey, whatever it is. Like, so he quoted me this Pasuk. And he says, he says, as difficult as it sounds, and we might say, hey, that's his responsibility. Why is it on us to take care of the family? That guy should have thought about it first. Let the, let, whatever, whatever, let, let the wife leave. He says, that's their own decision. But the Torah is letting us know there's a new level of Derech when it comes to things like this. And that is when you have a member of a family that makes a terribly dumb, 
mistake, decision. You can't just start looking at the whole family like they're a problem. You have to be able to set aside where the issue is and everybody else who didn't do anything wrong, you don't hold them accountable at all. It's unfortunate. They have to live in the same house as that person. But that, that, that all of a sudden you stop respecting them. You stop taking care of them. Chas v'shalom. That's not the Torah way. And, and uh, that, that's what we see here. A very fascinating dynamic from, from this Pasuk. Now what, what comes out of this, I'm going to hold it here. What comes out of this is the master has a big decision to make when he takes in a servant. He has a big decision because what, this servant working for him, he also needs to support the family. That, that might be deducted. My, the family's cost of living might be deducted from the, you know, from the amount of work the guy needs to do. Maybe he needs to work for me longer now because he's got a wife and two children, right? So I have more expenses. He needs to run out. But that's how it is. The Torah is telling me, you can't just pull somebody away, throw them into prison, take them away, and not care about anything else that, that happens. Afterwards, this is a new level of, of uh, responsibility that Torah is sharing with us. We'll hold it here for today. And uh, Bez Jem will pick up from the next Parsha next week.